0: Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Offcast for February 10th, 2020, featuring poet Julie Hart leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I'm your host once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Off is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street off Smith Street near the Bergen Street FG stop for more info and to sign up for the op go to brooklynpoets.org this month's open mic lineup featured Bonnie Belay Brenda Mara Lauren Gerber Flurry, Todd Friedman Maria LaSella Sarah Weck Harvey Sauce Dan Varley Tim Gerber Flurry, Sharon Chin Gerald Wagoner Taryn Fitzgerald, Max Mallett, Judy Schneier, Jordan Franklin, Kyle Brosnahan, Julia Knobloch, Jay Eason, Kendall Thomas, Phil Eggers, and, maybe appropriately, Sincerely Miss Mary, our final reader. So, let's uh, just get rid of my voice uh, out of your headphones and get right to the readers, although I guess you will hear my voice. I'm seeing the events. Uh the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for February. Enjoy. Alright, ladies and gentlemen. We are gonna get started. This is a great crowd. How y'all doing? Alright, sounds good. Uh I'm so happy with Julie Hart's workshop. Not only was it a great workshop, but she was so efficient. And uh, even though we had that 15-minute unintended delay, we are like right on time. So I am feeling good. 61 Local is happy because uh, February is usually a down month. They said like no one's been coming in here. And tonight, look at this room. It's amazing. Um, And uh, the weather is not even great. Um, But uh, maybe that's good. Maybe, maybe yeah, exactly. It's not terrible. Uh, It's a good philosophy in life. Uh, if you don't know me I am Jason Koo. Uh, this is the Yop open mic. Uh, if you've never been to the open mic before or the op before it's a monthly poetry workshop and open mic. You are in the right place. Uh, you have not gone to the wrong place uh a few ground rules before we begin trying to figure out what those ground actually i have a few announcements before the ground rules it sounds so exciting right you're so you're so titillated now (laughs) announcements and then ground rules uh as i said right before the break we do have workshops coming up including julie hartz uh, who is right here uh that deadline comes up i think next sunday but this sunday we have a couple deadlines for emily hunt's workshop on revision if you uh have been writing for a while and have poems that you want to revise revising is probably the most difficult and most important part of writing if you didn't know uh you can work on that with her uh that registration deadline is sunday also robert balin who is doing manuscript consultations uh his deadline is sunday the following sunday is julie hart's deadline and then the sunday after that is gregory crosby's deadline he is teaching a workshop on the uncanny poem which is uh as cool as it sounds so uh He even has uh, a a German word in his workshop description, so I I encourage you to check that out. Um, But check out all our workshops, brokenpoets.org. Okay, on to the ground rules, the second most exciting part of this uh, preliminary part. Uh, If you are reading for the open mic, you have one poem, three minutes max on the mic. We really ask that you keep to your time. If you don't keep to your time, what happens is other people don't get the time. So there are people that are on the wait list, you see. All these people, Exhibit A on the waitlist, <laughs> many of whom have many of whom have already inquired about their chances of reading tonight, and I've I've had to do this sort of like unlikely. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't it doesn't look good. But uh, uh, if you read for like six minutes or even four, it's making their chances even less. So uh, please keep to your time. Definitely don't read more than one poem. We're just gonna uh, grab you off the stage. Uh, we also vote for Poem of the Month at every YOP. so uh, the way to do that is to text me your vote. Uh, usually just tell me the poet's name. The number for the first time, if you don't have it already, uh, is 718-374-1953. Uh, I ask that you wait till the end of the open mic till you've heard all the poems. It's only fair. Uh, this, is not the <laughs> this is not the Iowa primary. Uh, <laughs> I don't, it doesn't really have any relation to what I'm saying, but it's just a, just a fun thing to reference throughout the <laughs> nights. Uh, 718-374-1953. 718-374-1953. Uh, it's a funny thing. The last gen- general op, I was in Brazil, as many of you know, and I had my phone, so I was getting the votes there. And what I r- forgot to do before the open mic uh, was turn on my phone. So uh, two days later, I was like, oh, Shit. <laughs> I need to turn on my phone. <laughs> and so I turned it on, and you know, and like the t- I was like, Where are the text messages <laughs> like floating in this ether? And I first turned it on and like I n- I wasn't getting any text. And I was like, Oh fuck, I've lost all the votes. And then like fifteen minutes later they started coming in and it was it was both exciting and strange. <laughs> uh anyway, I'm not sure why I told you that story, but uh seven one eight <laughs> three seven four one nine five three whose poem was good. Phil Eggers That's true. Where's Phil Eggers tonight? Phil Eggers won Yop of the Month for January. Give him a round of applause. He is in the house. Make sure to get your tote bag unless you have already. Oh, he's got it already. If you win Poem of the Month, here's what happens. If you haven't been here, you win a tote bag over there uh, on that really convenient nail that's uh, in the brick wall for us to show off our tote bag. You also get free admission to a future Yop, and most importantly, you get a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown in December where you compete for Poem of the Year honors, and Poem of the Year honors comes with serious cash. Uh, so uh, there is that to shoot for. Not that you're into poetry because of the money, uh, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no poets are competitive. Uh, that's just crazy. Um, it's like, it's like every poet I know is competitive. Uh, what else? Uh, we record the pod. We record the podcast. We record the open mic as a podcast that we call the Yopcast. If you don't want to be in the recording, you just have to tell me. I can take you off. It is called the Yopcast. You can and should rate us on iTunes. Uh, I recommend five stars as a good rating to start with. If you don't want to rate us five stars, you just don't have to actually rate us. It's as simple (laughs) as that. Uh, I think we are at 30. It hasn't changed since the last one. I was surprised because Julia Knobloch made such a good pitch. Where's Julia Nobluck? Give a round of applause for Julia Knobloch for uh, guest emceeing the January Yawp. She did a great job. I also want you to keep that applause going for our staff who uh, managed that whole Yawp without me. And uh, you're just going to keep applauding, because I also want to welcome Jay Eason, who has just joined our staff as an intern. She's she's the super tall one in a group of actually very tall staff members. And uh, last but not least, Kendall Thomas just got engaged, so give her a round of applause. And uh, her... It wasn't just any engagement. I mean, she got engaged at the Brooklyn freaking museum because her man is awesome. And he he like set that whole thing up. So I was even there to witness it because he had planned it so well. And you know what I feel about planning. I mean, I was ready to marry the guy because I was like, you plan really well. And I am so I'm like turned on by your planning. Uh, Okay, wow. Now I feel like I'm almost turning red. So uh, before we get to the open mic, we will hear from our illustrious professor. Give it up for Julie Hart.
1: Okay, so this is actually a poem that I wrote in this form that we were doing today, Um, where I wrote right on the subway map too, okay? The map begins on the corner of Washington Square and University Place, proceeds from there to La Lanterna on McDougal, and then on to number one Chinese restaurant on Canal Street in Mulberry, up to the Morgan Library on Madison and 36th, and on the subway to the Thalia Theatre on 95th and Broadway, where I quoted Dr. Seuss. When I said, Your eyes went wide and soft with affection, and I asked why you kept your top button buttoned up, and you claimed it was because it was your third line of defense, after your glasses and your mustache. (laughs) I didn't disbelieve you. It was silly, but also obviously true, and I felt sorry you needed any lines of defense. Then through Central Park to that fondue restaurant somewhere in the East 60s, the one where after two glasses of white I summoned the waiter with a jaunty snap, and you were smitten once again. From there to MoMA where the fur-lined teacup coated my tongue with a fuzzy horror and we bonded over our shared love of da-da. Back to my railroad apartment on East 17th Street and you made me onion soup while I slept with three secret ingredients. Instant coffee, only a few grains, mayonnaise, and what was the other one? You asked me to sit on your lap and although I was afraid I'd crush you, I did it and you survived. Thus began this long journey, far from over. Now because I'm special, because I'm the teacher, I get to read a second one, though basically they're under three minutes, the two of them. Okay, (laughs) so time is non-linear. Say the self that rode bumper cars with you in Ankara is the same self that shouted, I don't think I'll be able to stop on Cleveland Avenue in St. Paul with you and our son in the back seat. Say these discussions about who will do which housework will finally end. Say that reading anything and telling you the funny bits is still my favorite pastime. Say that Basel Fasnacht at the Hotel Grub still spangles in memory. Say that my flesh, however it hangs, still moves you. Say exasperation surprisingly morphs into glee that you never seem to tire of me. Say equal amounts of thrill and boredom in your presence. Say that children are loved best while asleep, as are husbands.
2: <laughs>
1: say time loops back and repeats, walking down the same streets merely 30 years later with completely different feelings. Say certain words again and again, no response. Say the phone rings and we throw it out the window. Say our studio apartment is a fish tank we swim in. Say cooking in our tiny galley kitchen is an exercise in precision kinesthetics. Say we each live 30 more years. Say, oh, sorry. Say what loops will we be in for then? Say we have said everything to each other, or is there more? Say time hangs heavy on my hands. Say scrabble and mean risk. Say risk and mean delight. Say stop as we ride bicycles outside of Parma, meaning slow down. Say I'm too many for you and you for me. Say I love you enough times that you believe it. Say we have plenty of time. Say sleep. Say rain. Say walk with me. Say once is enough. Say time need not embitter. Say it all. Say more. Thank you.
0: Hey, keep it going. Yeah. Uh, Give another round round of applause for Julie Hart and for Brenda for finding her poem. That's a good start. Uh, Great poems and somebody finding their poems. Uh, Our next poet, uh, both for her first... (laughs) I was going to say, but her first and last name both start with a B. This is a very exciting introduction. Uh, (laughs) It's literally the first thing that came into my mind. But uh, she is also a brilliant poet. I just heard her read at the uh, Cobra Club series. Give it up for Bonnie Belay.
3: She signed my emails with two lower-class Bs because I have a friend named Barbara Britton and she up, uses uppercut. <laughs> she is, actually. <laughs> okay, so I had a couple of poems that I brought, but I'm gonna go with Trauma. <laughs> trauma. They lived miles from San Juan in her mother's house with the little dog her mother left. The half-wild garden The tree visited by large, shrieking parrots that pissed Flacco off. They didn't need money after the hurricane. There was nothing to buy. Flacco put the roof back on and tackled the garden with a tiny handsaw. Ilse's emails lost punctuation, grammar. They feel tremors from the earthquakes in the south. Thousands sleep in tents, afraid to sleep outside, afraid to send their children to school. Alicia said it's worse now than after the hurricane. Hectic, hard to rest. Her health has suffered. My beautiful friend does not say, but five years ago she had cancer. Spanish words enter her texts. She loses the story.
0: Okay, good. (laughs) Great, great intro. (laughs) Unintentionally funny. (laughs) Uh, Our next poet just found her poem, so uh, give it up for Brenda Mara.
4: My poem is called The World is Ill. An epidemic took over the world. The world has gone blind, leaving only a few open eyes. They are scared of their sight. How can we ignore our greatest gift to humankind? Fear of social confrontation subdues the mind. Hence we equate ourselves to an inferior kind. The world has gone blind. I see a sea of assumptions, woes and words not analyzed. Only postulates are left behind. A seas of kindness taken over by pride. Superficial, material, capitalistic conversations overpowers intellect. We go on, generation to generation to generation, total neglect, as we measure the wise man by his fortune. Even our writers have lost their sights, shelves after shelves, of beautifully written words, well-constructed sentence full of nothing, noble prize. The world has gone blind. Even I temporarily lost my sight. I found a cure. I need a place to hide, a place where the sighted may meet, a place where no fear exists. A place that never ceases, where the blind can't reach, and I may not be devoured by blind eyes which aim to gag me. The world is ill, choosing to be deadly blind than sanely alive. Shame is humankind. The world has gone blind.
0: Okay, good stuff. Good page turn. Got <laughs> 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 two got two rounds of applause for one poem. That's a skill. Uh doesn't happen very often. Uh our next poet uh, has been to many a uh, Shea Koo party. <laughs> I've been I've been working on new material while I was in Brazil. <laughs> Give it up for Lauren Gerber Flurry. Thank you, Arthur. You're very
5: welcome. Am I that short? Yeah, I guess.
1: No, no, you're
5: very tall. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Lies, I appreciate those. All right, so it's been a minute since I've done this, and here I am. Um, is provisionally called Jackson. I can usually judge my state of mind by what colors jump out at me in the Pollock painting today it 's the black splatters there 's one smack dab in the middle that looks like a black hole, slightly larger than any, excuse me than any of the other black splatters. I'm looking at this particular splatter from the couch in the gallery when a couple comes and stands directly in my line of sight. So enamored with each other, they don't notice the human they've planted themselves directly in front of. Some might call it cute, the goo-goo eyes and hands interlaced in the amorphous, blocking blob of their coupledom, but they would be wrong. (laughs) Rude is what it is. I put my splatter on hold and look to the peripheries of the Pollock, the tan edges, the background of the canvas peeking out, but I haven't forgotten about my splatter. When the intruders walk off, when the intruder walks off and the other slowly joins her, I return to it. Notice its sideways L-shape and vertical drip from the bottom part of the L. Maybe it's narcissistic for me to see L's, but who cares? Maybe it really is trying to speak to me. Today it feels like war and chaos, all the greens and browns. On another day, maybe nature, but I guess they're the same after all.
0: Good stuff, Lauren Gerber Flurry. It's a blocking blob of their coupledom. <laughs> that's a great yelp line okay uh, one day we'll have like a hall of fame of the best lines um, just you know follow our twitter Joe's tweeting them right now <laughs> uh, our next poet one of the poet laureates of Sunset Park give it up for Todd Friedman
6: This is called Clark Kent had nothing on me. The coach didn't play me much but on that night he let me loose coming off the bun coming off the bench I pumped in three baskets and as the crowd cheered me on I noticed she was smiling. Later floating on my newfound confidence I made my way to the phone booth at the gas station five blocks from home and reveling in my glory, I heard her say yes and my 16-year-old heart exploded. (laughs) If someone had shot a video, you would be able to see me jumping up and down in that little phone booth right after she said goodnight. And at that particular moment, Clark Kent had nothing on me. It is now 50 years later, Mr. President, and I still remember this as a perfect call.
0: (laughs) Good shit going to be tough to top that one. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown down. Uh, that was Todd Friedman. Before that was Lauren Gerber-Flurry, Brenda Mara, and Bonnie Belay of the two Bs. <laughs> Our Lower. next, yeah, exactly, lowercase Bs. Although <laughs> uh, is it Belay, by the way? Yeah, I'm not going to say B.A., though, because people just think I'm an asshole. Yeah. Because Aaron the other night was saying billet, and I'm pretty sure that's not what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So how do you pronounce your name? So I'm doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's good. That's reassuring. All right. <laughs> 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 Our next reader is a Yop debuter. We had some fun E correspondence earlier today about the uh, rules of the Yop. Uh, is it Lacella? Is that your last name? Yes, give it up for Maria Lasella.
7: <laughs> okay. Okay, I was told I have to read a happy poem. So, yeah, I was. So, uh, yeah, by Arthur. Okay, so this goes a little bit along with what you did tonight. Okay, spring, a little ahead of time. Let's not talk, not a word, this morning. There are so many things to say, too many to start the day. A light rain is falling, so faint it cannot be seen or felt or heard. Let's moan low into winter's covers, rub elbows, knees. Let's write love songs. Let's get silly, hop on a train into the city, see commuters strung up with palm pilots. Blackberries, cell phones, hear sirens in spring sway with the jolt of brakes. Are you with me? Let's not talk. Let ourselves record this moment we will revisit again and again on a cold, biting dark day in January. When snow soaks our boots, flies in our eyes, we will have a spring morning memory in an unremembered year. For now, let's not talk. As we shake sleep, I mouth your name. Have I told you? You are gorgeous in spring, trading the bulk of wool for a day in the park, a ride in the dark. Shh, let's not talk. I prefer to watch you in spring, shrug off winter, don't say a word, travel in your dreams, arrive just for me. Thank you. Thank you, Maria.
0: It's first time here, right? Yeah. Give it up one more time for Maria. <laughs> <laughs> he crossed the border. <laughs> yeah, it's a very blurry border. um I'm almost in Queens in Williamsburg. I mean, it's like Long Island City is right there uh I would of course never say I live in Queens. <laughs> Um, Okay, our next reader is uh, Sarah Weck. Give it up for Sarah.
8: I came in late, so I didn't know the order, so I'm wearing this dramatic coat, but here we go. (laughs) It kind of goes with it, so it's okay. Um, Okay, this one's called Ode to Orange. For Chatham. After the war, they sailed back to claim the house in East Germany a shutter, a clean divide between war and not war, hot fire and cold luck, burnt stripped birches and a prosperous summer. I could write it many strange ways, but this is the simplest. A hot wind blew and my orange tree died right after sea. Maybe the fruit wanted to sleep better too. Now my tree is just a pot with a dead branch spiking the sky. Where did the oranges go? I did not see them fall. I'm afraid to say his name because I say it too loud, loud being the brightest color orange. Grandmother and her broken German in Zwenkau sitting at a desk in the surviving side of the city with grandfather and the realtor, three tired young bodies arguing over the dead house. I wonder if grandfather remembers it in the now, little village with a church where his father helped design the steeple. In winter, the light reflects off the zenith and the snow. In summer, a hot wind blows the house with the bombed-out windows. The couple claimed the pile of wood and ashes, and I left my pot on the windowsill. A weed has tendrilled its way up and out. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you, Sarah. Uh, Kyle, I keep seeing your hat, and I keep thinking you're wearing like a Burger King uh, <laughs> crown thing. <laughs> And <laughs> I have to say, I'm disappointed every time I realize it's not a Burger King <laughs> Anyway, Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, is Lily Greer here? I guess not. Oh, that was like a profound silence. Lily Greer is, Lily Greer is definitely not here. Uh, our next poet is definitely here. He will tell you all about his open mic before he reads his poem. <laughs> Give it up for Harvey Sauce. <laughs>
9: There we go. Okay. Uh, Just picking up on uh, that. For those of you who don't have flyers, let me invite you to uh, an open mic that I host on the third Saturday of every month at the Historic Montauk Club, which actually is historic. Um, The next one is going to be this coming Saturday from 4 to 6, when I'll be co featuring with a rather interesting uh, poet, classicist, professor, uh, Aaron Puchigian, uh, we usually give five to seven minutes or three poems, whatever comes first, on the open mic. Uh, please feel free to join us. It's a wonderful place, and I give a tour as well. Uh, this one, I sort of delved into my sordid past to, uh, to write. Uh, entirely too true, more or less. <laughs> Called Kicks. His weren't anything exceptional of little and no street value, not branded with a sort of Jordanesque killer exclusivity that might explain, if anything can, why they gut shot him for kicks before leaving him for dead in the wiry shadow of the Brooklyn Bridge. The young hoopster discovered bleeding to death between Tillery Street's pair of rusted outdoor hoops a year or two younger than the mopes who shot him wasn't sporting particularly expensive footgear, one-offs such as special promotions of, say, Nike or Adidas sometimes are, though styled after and signed by a hardcourt star. According to his crew, you probably couldn't have traded the dead boy's sneak straight up for a basketball. A stretch of mid-range high-tops, well-worn and still smelling evilly of the kid's game sweat and born to it love of balling. Yesterday is converse or keds. The unsigned, unadorned, unstylish kind suburban parents hoping to raise doctors or lawyers, not hoopsters, gifted us with. Dunks, inchoate legends, rim protectors of the city's asphalt courts, would reject within your face insouciance used as they were and with a lingering odor funk of too many failed dunk attempts. How low, then, were the shooters who took him out when his team's rim protector wasn't there to protect him? A trio of necromancers hoping for some hardcore magic without the cash to eBay outdated magic Johnsons of their own taking his and leaving him sprawled in filthy athletic socks. A second string point guard to the day of his death, the only time he made the back pages of the daily news. He might have lived to be a useful player at a community college, certainly not Division I, but perhaps as high as Division Three, had he grown into his father's frame with a gamete chance of emulating the old man's game. Those who investigated the case were left feeling they were third eye deep in a crisis of conscience. Bloody damned kicks worth more than a life. Following a full court press, his killers were discovered sucking down shakes at a McDonald's. A witness having called foul after seeing them beef like Cinderella's stepsisters over shoes that wouldn't fit.
0: Thank you, Harvey. Tragic story. Okay, uh, that was Harvey Sauce. Before that was Sarah Weck and uh, Maria Lasella. Our next reader is Dan Varley. Give it up for Dan.
10: So just a little bit of context. Um, parts of this poem are about my grandfather, who was not a major league baseball player here in New York, but um, minor league, semi-pro. Um, so he had a job. He had his family, um, my mom's side. So a little bit about that. And then after he passed, which was like five years ago, I found these photos of him um, from his playing days, which is mind-blowing, um, twisting the arms of my parents to get them. So I had them in my apartment. Um, it's a baseball card. It's like a baseball card photo of him, just like like a straight-on shot. And then one of him playing, which um, he wrote in the photo, which I love. Um, this one was a triple. <laughs> so just letting you know, it was, like, it was a triple, all right? So um, here we go. So, um, photos of grandfather in semi-pro baseball uniform. Younger than me now, staring off with contempt by McCombs Dam Park. The stadium not far off in the distance. Your baseball photo, stirrups, knickers, eyes tucked nearly under the brim. You are a baseball player. A near century between us and I see my height and shoulders in you. We look so much like blood, I can taste your sweat. It said you could hit, but I don't really know. I've gleaned half-truths from the living, the dead, to no one remembers details. So I return to the photo, studying men like you in the outfield, scrambling after a ball you hit. This one went for three bases, you wrote. I don't have illusions. After operating lights at Montefiore, you played with the team. Rita looked after the girls, cooked and cleaned. If I know you like myself, you must have punched a wall for not getting that Yankees callback. For not making a living off of ball, just as you lamented not having a boy to play ball, a boy to play ball, maybe one who'd make it to the show. Everyone, though, tells me my mother, your Jacqueline, could play with the best in the borough streets. She had no uniform, not like yours. So I imagine her, chestnut pigtails tucked under a cap, her beautiful French name shortened to Jack, her small hands finding their grip on the bat, looking down the streets run by the boys, digging in her sneakers at the asphalt plate. got to add. Supposedly, he did try out with the Yankees, and since I've yet to receive a tryout, he was far better play than me.
0: Well, I mean, fuck the Yankees anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm from Cleveland, so... Uh, that was a beautiful poem, though. When did they last win? Cleveland? Come on, Todd. It's... <laughs> It's uh it's almost a new season, Todd. I mean all my optimism is high. They haven't they haven't traded Lindor yet. <laughs> Things are still kinda good. Uh any Boston fans in here? Yeah. Well, it's too too bad about it. It's, it must suck not to be able to sign your best player because you don't have enough money. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> Those Boston fans were so miserable. They're like, oh, God, it's the end of the world. I'm like, welcome to Cleveland life. <laughs> it's like you lost one guy. We've lost, like, everybody. Our next reader is known for his skills in the kitchen as well as on the page. Give it up for Tim Gerber-Flurry. <laughs>
11: a lot of, uh, lot of sports poem tonight I, this one has a little bit of it but it's, it's not based on it but there's a few lines you will see alright B-side Decatur, Georgia <laughs> Arthur trying to sabotage me Arthur All right, B-Side, Decatur, Georgia.
6: Turn it off!
11: Play pause, I can see it, pause, pause it, pause, pause. There you go.
2: All
11: right, B-Side, Decatur, Georgia. My writing seemed to always start with coffee. This time it's in Georgia, where I didn't want to go in the first place, but quickly came back around. And here I am sitting next to my wife, sipping coffee, writing, waiting for my egg sandwich in this space red brick walled with wood tables and chairs. Thank the universe for these chairs and no stools, for they truly are the bane of any welcoming coffee shop. On the plaza outside, a dozen maple trees, fiery red foliage border the space benched where the locals hang, taking advantage of the sunny morning. Students from Emory and Scott College roam outside and work the counter inside, and I can't help but daydream about going back to school, feed my craving for learning, the emulation of brains raw. I remember how in my youth, I didn't want to go to school, and now I'm crying to go back. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday. Falcons fans storm the adjacent strain, train station in sheds, of red bla- in sheds of red, black, and white. And seeing how people from old walks of life press on not to miss the kickoff, I become envious of how gathering sports can be. Being able to stand next to a stranger and feel like brothers and sisters. Yet I am also reminding how dividing the rivalries, sports politics, money-grabbing promoters are, the two sides of the same coin that still ends up in the pocket of the richest. So I take back my seat as an observer. Bonnie rates, Can Make You Love Me plays on the radio, and like every time, I'm almost brought to tears. For once, I'm glad I'm not walking or moving in any way. I'm just here in this moment my wife reading next to me, feeling the warmth of her presence, her smiling gaze on me when she takes her eyes off her book, one of the best songs on the radio, my emotions flirting with me. I wanted to live all of Atlanta, eat all its food, drink all its beers, see all its bookstores and historical sites. Instead, for me, the city will be a cup of coffee, a notebook, a large window over a plaza, and there, the people.
0: Killing it, Tim Gerber-Flurry. See, sports makes everything better. That's what people don't understand. (laughs) I love that poem. Uh, I was texting. By the way, give it up for Bong Joon fucking Ho, bitches. (laughs) It's about fucking time. This is uh, the first time I didn't watch the Oscars in, like, 20 years. I was like, because I was like, he's not going to win shit. And then he won everything. The one fucking time. And then people were texting me, you know, Bong Joon-ho is winning everything. So I was trying to find, like, an illegal stream. I could not get an illegal stream. So, I don't know. That was the universe telling me something. But I was, uh, my friend Adam was texting me. just about that. And then he was like, "Uh, you know, the Cavs had, like, the worst loss in their history. They just traded for Andre Drummond. And then he was like, what is with this franchise? And he's like, you know, if they hadn't won the title in 2016, we wouldn't be friends. (laughs) That was interesting. (laughs) I was like, you're right. (laughs) So I said, uh, winning is important. But then I said, like, losing is important, too. Mm. These are some really profound things I was saying to Adam last night. (laughs) Ultimately, I said, I was like, Adam, I guess what I'm saying is, like, everything in life is important. So... Take that away from tonight when you leave. It's money well spent. You know that everything in life is important, especially sports. And the films of Bong Jun Ho. <laughs> Shall you all see Parasite? It's by far the best film. Like not even close. Uh, <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> but I adore that film and that filmmaker. Um, Okay, our next reader is Sharon Chen. Give it up for Sharon.
5: Perfect.
12: (laughs) Um, So my poem is also in regards to my grandfather, who used to make instruments, um, and this instrument is a Chinese instrument called the Uh erhu. For those who don't know what it is, it's like a round little barreled instrument with string, and it's long, you start gonna play it like a cello. So it's called the Erhu. At the 23rd Court Street subway station, in the space between the E and 7, one must traverse a long subterranean tunnel filled with passerby. I too rush through this space, this passageway where it takes too long to get from here to there, when suddenly the sounds of a string melody reach my ears. I pause and allow my eyes to find an elder, hair white with proud face, sitting, playing his instrument. And the Urhu's song is plaintive, melancholic, and sweet. I do not stand alone in my rapture. Another youth, young black-haired, stands spellbound, statuesquely transfixed. And I watch as she darts, hurtling to the song amid the hurried crowd. Mm. As if approaching an altar, a dollar and emotion in hand. She says, my mother plays the Urhu too. Are you from China? Taiwan, he says adding a kindly nod. And with a hand upon her heart, her gratitude overt, she adds, I appreciate your music. It makes me think of my mother. It makes this new place feel more like home. At this exchange, my heart fills with sudden heat, memories and visions of my own grandfather. Departed now, I think of how, after family dinners, I would rush into his Bayridge bedroom, sitting patiently beside him, as he played song upon song on the Erhu. Rapidly, I would watch him play, longingly waiting for a shared piece of peeled fruit and another fleeting, elegiac who song. Wow.
0: Good stuff, Sharon Chen. I love your enthusiasm, I have to say. I mean, that's always been true, you know, but I just feel like I I would like to point that out again. Uh, do you listen to the Happiness Lab podcast? Anyone? Not a single fucking person. That must be why you're also fucking unhappy. You should listen. <laughs> should listen to the Happiness Lab podcast. It's like mind blowing. You know, it's about the science of happiness. Uh, one of the bonus episodes was about the uh, power of gratitude. That if you uh, experience gratitude, you uh, it like it's an amazing energy. <laughs> so if someone does something for you, you feel grateful, and then you do things for other people, and it's I have to say, it's very true <laughs> in my own experience. When people do things for me, it's like that doesn't happen very often. First of all, <laughs> but uh, I mean, obviously, that's where the whole thing was going. No, I've but in all seriousness, uh, it's very true. Uh, feel your energy when when you feel grateful for something, uh, and try to do something with that energy. Anyway, I'm grateful for your enthusiasm uh, before you started complaining about my complaining. <laughs> Our next reader is Gerald Wagoner. Give it up for Gerald.
13: That's okay. No, I just got up. It was going to fall on you and decided it almost did. So, <laughs> a little lower? Yeah, please. Just a bit. Uh, two things before I start. Uh, I picked this up. This Jackson Pollock. Thing uh, for, yeah, said about nature. Uh, before he was doing his drip paintings, uh, Hans Hoffman said, "No, no, you must work from nature." And Jackson Pollock turned to his wife Lee Krasner and said, "I am nature." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, the second thing there's a ref- there's a thing here. It's called a malicious orgasm. Yeah. I don't. Does anybody know what a malicious orgasm is? According to the Kinzer Report, it's one that you have just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Non-procreative <laughs> orgasms were malicious. <sighs> oh,
1: Jerry. Uh,
13: the night... Wait, let's see, where is this thing? Am I here? Okay, good. It's short, so I, There was a time. The night... His mother had her malicious orgasm. Another reality returned from the time before the photo of him with the tool he used to shape havens against the anxieties of annihilation. There were too many questions, explorations tossed out. He was always in doubt or manic on the verge of joy, afraid of the point where rain wind, sky, come black to the bank, move through mist to become him by himself, being the being he is alone, not with indifferent sons, born into a time unlike his own, rigged with weight on the bottom, intended by the Kinsey Report to be cast as paladin, too green to taste, how sweet it is to fail repeatedly in rain. Wind-driven, wading out gloom, hunkered down inside his ribbed cage, until he learned to embrace no escape, forge pacts in steel, argue with the poet's voice, make drawings only he can see.
0: Good stuff, Gerald. <laughs> I, ha- <laughs> I have to confess, I had a hard time concentrating after the malicious orgasm <laughs> definition. <laughs> <laughs> Still not sure I understand <laughs> what that is. <laughs> um, okay, well, I mean, there's something to shoot for in life. <laughs> Our next reader uh, is a Yop debuter. Is it Taryn or Taryn? Taryn, give it up for Taryn Fitzgerald.
14: So this poem is called, Becoming.
15: You
14: have to get in the mic a little. Okay, <laughs> is that better? Yeah. Okay. At NYU for a scheduled induced labor, past midnight, the late summer refusing to fall, squeezing the firefly for more light, the cicada for more of its upbeat song. Six stories up, donning a hospital gown gaped open in front, in a remote controlled bed, wires hissing over my belly and chest, a monitor of beeps and beats in neon green, their outlined peaks eroding, rounding to ancient mountain chains, nurses spinning and speaking in a strange tongue, something about oxygen, my body washing away, the sediment of me settling somewhere in the East River, outside my floor to ceiling window, eyelids lumbering like slowly lowering stage curtains. I struggled to remember. Is this what it's like to be born? Only a few hours before, we were riding the wave of timed contractions. Me bareback on a bucking birthing ball with Marge the doula spotting, whispering, you got this, to the torpedo belly and S, daddy and waiting in the metal armchair Sweating, wrangling a New York Times spread on Arnold Schwarzenegger taking over as governor of California. The New York Post splayed on the linoleum floor, open to the headline, Cheryl in Peril. Stalker nabbed after New York concert. Our own little news item in the making lost inside his own membrane. As he would be again in his teens, complaining, you boomers forced me into this video games streaming through his veins. As if a premonition, his unfurled frame wanted nothing to do with this forced labor. This crowning medical achievement, not even to please Daddy who, on doctor's orders, helped knock some sense into him, got his head tucked, ready to launch. 12 hours before, we were down in the hospital lobby waiting, watching the incomings as they passed through the slowly revolving hospital doors, then called to their fates. An elderly man opting for a stent instead of a bypass. Mm -hmm. A pale young woman with tattoos in her sixth week of chemo. Who would go behind the white curtain, take flight as a white dove? S cradled my hand as we mused on our own journey. Two miscarriages, five years of acupuncture, four years of pricks and pills, six IUIs, four IVFs, a crucial hormone shot in the ass, homeopathy, Gallons of chicken broth, 10 months of incubation, 10 days past due, 24 hours of labor. We were more than ready for our fleshy pink peach to drop. (laughs) Just the day before, just the day before delivery, S felt him snug inside me, tightly curled like a sacred parchment scroll written in ancestral code. But our roots can't keep him warm, nor safe from the pokes and prods of this the official high-risk birthday party line in which no one asked him what he wanted nor which door he'd like to pass through from the rudeness of diagnoses yet to come that will gloss over a deep sense of rage at the lack of say in one's own becoming. And here we were, falling into uncharted, velvety blackness steeped in Pitocin and Epidural, our pressures dropping to a lull, a lullaby of hushed wailing, our edges fraying as we huddled, we three, waiting to be born.
0: Good stuff, keep it going for Terrence Fitzgerald. Yup, debuter. Uh, that was excellent. that was Taryn Fitzgerald. Before that, Gerald Wagoner, Sharon Chin, Tim Gerber flurry Dan Varley, and Robin Romeo. Our next reader, another yep yep, another yap debuter. Is it uh, Max Mallet or Malay? Okay, give it up for Max Mallet.
15: Good evening, everyone. Uh, Going to stick with the sports theme. Uh, this one's called Camouflaged Pigskin, and I, I hope it's all right with everyone that I can't write poetry that doesn't rhyme. So. We'll take a bow. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. What well, used to be about running and slugging pigskin has turned into blatant recruiting and nationalism. The Wolf and Eagle's clothing stocks from Boston to Seattle. If you love this kind of hitting sun, wait till you're in battle. Life is short, especially for linemen, so enjoy the spoils of this gladiator sport. We could eliminate empires with the firepower in the San Diego port. While reports of CTE are tragic to be sure, all involved care more about recruiting quotas for the Marine Corps. Brain damage must not be as offensive as the act of kneeling, for the latter causes grown billionaires to start squealing. The thinnest of skins belong to the least moral of men, as evident when the ratings tank on Fox and ESPN. Middle America shrieks shut up and play ball, demanding that a supermajority black league stand upright and tall for a flag that doesn't listen to their community's plates and dreams so long as the F-35s stream across Buffalo Wild Wings TV screens. (laughs) The Houston Texans owners said the asylum is run by the inmates, but his opinion matters little for he's a moral and intellectual ingrate. It's fascinating to see the corporate sponsors scatter at the most innocent display of Black Lives Matter, boardrooms full of the white flag-draped and old, expecting grown men to do exactly as they're told, by those who talk like modern-day slave masters, cronies who cling to their worldview just before it's put out to pasture. The military corporation complex has total control Fuck Roger Goodell, the 49ers, and the Chiefs. The game might have passion, but it lacks a soul. I kneel beside Kaepernick for expressing his beliefs.
0: Okay, well, all you football fans... <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> no, I mean... Uh, I be- begrudgingly watch football. <laughs> I mean, being from Cleveland, it's a great way to support football while also suffering. <laughs> so I, f- I feel like it's it's only fair that you suffer when you watch such a horrific sport. Uh, yes, so I fully support the position of that ball <laughs> is, what I think, what I'm saying. Our next reader is Judy Schneier. Give it up for Judy.
2: This poem is called, Hair's Just Money. (laughs) It's silky straight with (laughs) yellow streaks, Jane combed in carefully while she made dreamy wedding plans for Thailand. She twists my hair before the heat and her stiff brush turned it to waves so natural that people I have never met came up to me and said, it's beautiful blow-dry by Jane, I demure. or every six weeks I get pretty for a day, or with Moxie, like the other night, I say, oh my thanks, but you know, hair's just money.
6: <laughs>
2: There's nothing of me, up on my head except the fact that while not rich I still scrape up the cash to have her twist those strands expertly into multicolored skeins that ride across my shoulders shimmering their gloss confounding every gaze they say the world's a stage so why can't I enact my part with this display Confusion is a soothing balm when it distracts from age. These lines, these hooded eyes, frame my undemanding halfway smile. Humbleness is also a disguise. My hair illuminates my fire. Reflects my secret plan to dance and dance and dance and die until I die <laughs> and always yank attention from the world.
0: Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, are you gonna have you your ballot? <laughs> Good my stuff, Judy Schneier. Die until I die. <laughs> wow, it's a little hotter in here now. Our next reader is Jordan Franklin.
16: was I had to write from the perspective of somebody I dislike. So naturally I wrote about my paternal grandfather. Okay. Baby, I'm cack as they come, blood hotter than a sunrise or hot sauce on catfish. Been cack since my granddaddy and his folks took back that plantation knuckle by knuckle. And I tell that story whenever whiskey threatened my lips or I hear that old forehead scar of mine sing its love song for the rock that cracker drove into it. I never wanted to be a father. I prayed and prayed, but your grandma pushed out four boys. I took one look at them little black mugs and knew I had to beat men into them. As for your granny, she was all right. Too much lip though, a nurse in her suit that ran so white against the blues and yellows I sang into her bones. And your daddy, (laughs) big mouth like his mama, big enough to holster my gun into that night, told your granny I was a backdoor man and why this cornstalk of a boy think he could talk like a man? I wish I could say I learned to keep my hands clean as a father, but I've never been one for lying. The bottle made me dance as well as sing. I danced all over my house, worked my hands and feet into every surface I touched. I've always been an entertainer, you know. Could send that one-eyed Sammy Davis nigga packing with his rats and get your grandma ups and leaves me? I want to tell you the distance was enough to stop me. But whiskey got a kick like a drum, and even when old cancer took the tongue from my mouth, I still sing and sing and sing. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Kickin' ass. Jordan Franklin. Thank you. That was Jordan Franklin with the fist bump <laughs> approval. Our next poet uh, was a co-winner of Yacht Poem of the Year last year. also is almost wearing a Brooklyn <laughs> Brooklyn Burger <laughs> Caso. A Brooklyn a Brooklyn King crown. Give it up for Kyle Brosnahan.
17: Yeah. Hello, I'm Kyle, this is my my crown. It's it's, it's new, I'm wearing it, it's my thing these days. Uh, Before I read this poem, I just wanna say, uh, I am also a playwright. My very first play is being produced uh, at uh, the Tank Theater in Manhattan, yeah. Uh, And those dates are March 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. So I won't be able to remind you before the next yacht, so if anyone wants to buy tickets, it's gonna be sweet called the performance so look at. so I haven't done this in a while this is a poem I wrote today so uh, there's no title poem (laughs) to be and not to love or not to be and also with you the pursuit of happiness has lost its steam now we're falling towards pulling away welcome this is the void I call home and here is the shadow I keep as a pet Oh, to lie about everything. To do nothing with your feelings besides look out a window at the endless rain. To have an endless worm inside your brain that you keep like a pet named Shadow. Or not to be. Or to be again. But I can't seem to figure out where all this sadness belongs. I'm tired of windows. Burned out on rain. Deep down, I'm unbearably shallow. It's a high time I kiss myself goodbye. One must be careful, especially when one is desperate. Otherwise, you might end up going to bed with someone else's idea of happiness, a system of anomalies. Look at all these skeletons clapping their hands. How to avoid, avoid. How to be against understanding. How to have love unspelled out for you with a snap of fingers. When in Rome, kill Romans. When (laughs) When alive, play dead to be and not to prove it who needs feelings anyway happiness is bourgeois stop being polite and fart already oh to stink i don't know about you but i'm saving my suicide for the perfect day don't want to waste it oh to be a brain inside a skull and also with you or not to be a vulture scraping the last morsels of my carcassed heart not loving is making me sick Oh, to smile without joy. Oh, to cry with no tears. Oh, to die and not mean it. Fine, then. If windows are all that's left, then windows it is. I have at least one goddamn feeling left, and I'm not going to waste it staring at my dim reflection. A view. A view, then. My heart for a view. A valley, river, clouds, trees, or not to be at all. Thanks.
0: <laughs> Good stuff, Bandito. I have a hard time calling you Bandito. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> National is cool. hey. <laughs> Maybe. Our next readers our Yopper of the Year. Give it up for Julia Knobloch.
18: Thank you, Arthur. Yeah, in a reading full of sports poems, count on Arthur Russell and me to read something about love. So, um, so I'm still debating the title of this poem, it's pretty new, um, and, but at the working title is Yotze, which is um, the Hebrew for two different verb forms. One meaning the status of having fulfilled an obligation, like a religious obligation. At the same time, it also means I, he, it exits. Meaning, once you have fulfilled your obligation, you're free to go.
10: (laughs) What's the word again? Yotze. Yotze.
18: Yeah. Zyud, vav, tzadi, and whatever. Um, We have fulfilled our obligation to mend the past. The stars were right. Ours is not a lucky constellation, although at times I hoped we might yet drink from jugs of champagne because I don't know the exact hour of your birth. There is nothing I can do against the first words spoken in a city of prophets. When we exited the tavern, you blew a kiss to the singer and the streets fell silent. In the house of the priestess, I contemplated your delicate face and understood Still, I miss your curious gaze. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Julia. Julia, I've been listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen lately, (laughs) and uh, I keep thinking about your Leonard Cohen poem. And uh, is that a true story, by the way? This one? You no, the other one. The you meeting Leonard Cohen. Or is that yeah. just invented? That's true. Wow, it's amazing. He calls you Brooklyn in the poem. He calls her Brooklyn in the poem. <laughs> that's incredible. Okay, uh, we are onto the waitlist, and uh, we usually start a waitlist off with our illustrious staff members. Uh, our first one is our new staff member, Jay Eason. Give it and she's also a former uh, Yacht Poem of the Month winner last December. Give it up for Jay.
19: So this is called, If You Cry Hard Enough, God Will Answer Your Prayers. How many times have I prayed in wooden pews and the echo of my voice answered? They say, drink this, eat this, and the enzymes in my stomach learn how to break down Jesus' blood and Jesus' body. And if you recite your dinnertime prayers, God will give you food and let you eat it and you will pray, and we will continue to pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, you will recite these words, the web inside your throat until the book has stifled you. When you become blue, holes will carve into your cheeks, you will thank God that he gave you breath. And when you think you're done praying, and you've given as much of yourself as you can to God, He will take the things most important to you Mm. away.
0: Good stuff. If you're wondering how you can intern for us, you have to be awesome (laughs) on the page. (laughs) That's that's not not entirely true, but it doesn't hurt. Uh... Our next poet is not only a great poet, but is newly engaged. Give it up for Kendall Thomas.
20: Hi. Thanks for the shout-out, Jason, and for endorsing my fiancé. I know that means a lot to him. Um, I feel like I should read a poem about like love or like my engagement or something, yes, but should. instead I'm going to read about death. So right. oh. here we go. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, This is called, This Poem, Freddy. All I know is that Uncle Freddy, with his arm around a pretty girl, drove a four-wheeler up the wall of the garage, surrounded by my grandmother's snorting pastel show poodles. My dad killed one once. His sister told me he tied a towel around its neck, hoping the terrycloth cape would grant it flight from the top of the stairs all the way down through the doorway. No surprise here, the dog landed and didn't wake up. But who's to say he didn't fly? And who's to say Freddie didn't fly? The seizure spark lifting him from his bed as my dad played four square and became an only son, his big brother electrified into flight on a four-wheeler through a roof. No thud of the dog, no thud of the four-wheeler, no thud of Freddy's eyelids, just light thumps of Freddy's heart, of the air against the dog's fluttering cape, of Freddy's hand under my back and uncle's cradle. My name was supposed to be Freddie. I'll name every ghostly feeling Freddie, every healing Freddie, every almost Freddie, the girl with him in the four wheeler wherever she has grown up to be, Freddie, my grandmother's dreams for my father, Freddie, her dream of me, Freddie, her flying dog with his coarse curls billowing in atmosphere, Freddie, the glimmering peach of my dad's eyes, Freddie, and all the kisses I haven't seen, Freddie. Thanks.
0: Freddie, Freddie is now so musical. Why is everyone leaving? We just have a few more minutes. I mean, can I convince you to stay? No. No. (laughs) All right. We have time for two more. Uh, Our next reader is uh, the reigning poem of the month winner. Give it up for Phil Eggers.
21: yeah sure uh oh okay hold on I'm, i just apologize all right back on track uh this is a little love poem for no one in particular i must be a fool to have fallen for you for i no longer find any use for my feet but here i will lay happily at yours to regain my composure would be my greatest loss No matter, I could only move on from you as smoothly as a pad of cold butter is spread across a fresh slice of white bread. You are a mixed bag of mixed metaphors. You're a ghost, a specter that haunts, though I could never equate you with bad dreams, as if flowers were only made to be sneezed at. I have gone swimming in the lake of your laughter, which is where I caught the brain-eating bacteria. I may be dead in a day or two, but at least I'll go with your voice on my mind. Tomorrow, these words may mean nothing, yet while they float on the page and roll across the tongue, let them live wholly and fully now, because even though you are no one in particular, there is no one else I could love more particularly.
0: That was a Valentine's poem, kind of. Uh, props for ending a poem with the word particularly, which is very hard to say. I'm sh- have you all thought about that? It's, I've used that word many times in poems. Very difficult to say, particularly. Uh, our last reader has a very exciting name, uh, Sincerely Miss Mary. Is that a real name? Probably not. Are you here? Okay, give it up for Sincerely Miss Mary.
22: really Miss Mary. Um, I'm coming out of hibernation or isolation. Um, I've isolated myself from a lot of people I cared about because I was afraid to talk about what happened to me. And uh, um, I got comfortable living in the shadows. And I saw this quote and it said, a truth is still the truth if no one believes it. A lie is still a lie if everyone believes it. Mm-hmm. So that gave me the courage to tell my story. So I wrote this poem called Tell Your Story. I give you full permission to tell your story. If you are abused, tell your story. If you are abandoned, tell your story. If you are sexually assaulted, tell your story. If you are victim blamed, if you are a victim shamed, if you are made to feel less than by circumstances out of your control, I give you full permission to tell your damn story. You do not owe anyone mercy. You do not owe anyone a damn thing. Mm -hmm. The only person you owe everything to is yourself. You owe yourself a voice to tell your story. You owe yourself a voice to reclaim your power. To the ones that robbed you of your identity, to the ones that stripped you of your worth, to the ones that underestimated a death by a thousand cuts, well, wake up to what follows next. A death seemingly irreversible will always lead to an awakening, will always lead to a rebirth, will always lead to the rising of a fearless woman. As the sun illuminates the courage within you, you stand up on the mountaintop, at last ready to tell your story. Wow. Thank you.
0: Thank you. That was sincerely Miss Mary. Okay, uh, don't pack up, don't leave. I'm gonna do that teacher talk. Don't pack up. Sorry, toys telling my students, don't pack up. Uh, yeah. That was sincerely Miss Mary. Stop. Just stop. (laughs) That was sincerely Miss Mary. Before that was Phil Eggers, Kendall Thomas, Jay Easton. By the way, it's Jay Easton's birthday I just found out. Wish her a happy birthday. You're all of uh, what? 23, probably 24. Oh, yeah. spot on. All right, <laughs> uh, just one year younger than me. Ne- and <laughs> that's such cruel laughter. <laughs> My students all think I'm like 29. Uh, our next, our next reader. What the? What is wrong with me? I feel like I'm wired. It's, anyway, that was Jay Eason. Before that, it was. Uh, let me do this again. Jesus, what is wrong with me? Okay. Sincerely, Miss Mary, Phil Eggers, Kendall Thomas, Jay Eason, Julia Knobloch, Kyle Brosnahan, Jordan Franklin, Arthur Russell, Judy Schneier with the hair, Max Mallet, right? Mallet? Is that correct? Where is Max? Okay. Taryn Fitzgerald, Gerald Wagoner, Sharon Chin, Tim Gerber-Flurry, Dan Varley, Robin Romeo, Harvey Sauce, Sarah Weck, Brenda Mara. Oh, hold on a second. Sarah, Sarah Weck. Maria Lacella, Todd Friedman, Lauren gerber Brenda Mara, and Bonnie Belay, all the way back to the beginning. Any questions? <laughs> this is how you vote. 718-374-1953, just send me the poet's name. First name is fine. First and last name is also fine. 718 374 1953. Our next YOP is coming your way on Monday, March 9th. It's the second Monday of March. Uh, I'm hoping Emily Hunt will be able to teach it. She hasn't confirmed yet. Uh, BrooklynPoets.org Check out our workshops. I'm trying to think. Oh, February 20th, next Thursday at the Broken Public Library. We have a big reading coming up with Roberto Carlos Garcia, Shira Ehrlichman, who was here in January to lead the YOP, and the amazing Patricia Smith. Will uh, headline that one, so definitely come out for that. It is free. It uh, starts at se- doors open at seven. The reading will start at seven thirty. There will be hors d'oeuvres. There will be w- there will be wine. Yes, the central branch uh, near the museum, near the park. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, uh, <laughs> questions? February twentieth, next Thursday. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday. Seven one eight three seven four. 1953. If you want to sign up for the op, if you didn't get to read tonight, we're sorry you didn't get to read, but the best way to read next time is to sign up now because the sign up, the advanced list fills up in like an hour or two, and I am not exaggerating. So uh, sign up on your phones, you can do that. Thanks for coming. See it, no one's listening to you anymore. Anyway, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. Alrighty, there you have it The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for February 10th, 2020 Thanks to Prof. Julie Hart For leading an incredible workshop On the use of the NYC subway map As a prompt for writing poems Julie is leading her workshop on uh, the form of maps As uh, a kind of inspiration and gateway for poem writing uh, Called Mapa Mundi Uh, mapping out poems of place that workshop actually begins tomorrow February 26th tomorrow if you're listening to this today uh, and runs for five weeks Uh, it's probably too late for you to sign up by the time you hear this but uh, I mean I guess if you hear it and really want to get in uh, you could email me (laughs) at coo at brokenpoets.org congrats to Jordan Franklin former Brooklyn Poets Fellowship finalist uh, fantastic poet for winning poem of the month for February for her amazing poem, Grandpa's Poem. Jordan has earned free admission to a future YOP and a spot in our 2020 Poem of the Year Smackdown coming your way in December. Uh, There is still time to register for upcoming spring workshops uh, with Gregory Crosby. That registration deadline is this Sunday, March 1st. Gregory is teaching a workshop on the Uncanny Poem. Other workshops coming up with Candace Williams, Shira Ehrlichman, Anna Bozicevich, who incidentally is leading our March 9th yop. that's the second Monday of the month, in March at 61 Local once again. If you want to sign up for that, yup, go to brooklynpoets.org. There are other workshops coming up as well with Jada Spande and other names I'm blanking on. There is a workshop with Natalie Eilbert which is sold out already. We will be at AWP in San Antonio. If you are going there, uh, look for our booth. I think it's booth 1417. We'll be right next to our friends at Brooklyn Arts Press. We'll be selling T-shirts. We'll be selling sweatshirts. We'll be selling tote bags. We'll be uh, there in full force. Me and three of my staff members, Renee, Joe, and Kendall, who many of you know, will all be there. And uh, when we're not at the booth, we'll probably be at one of the many bars in town. Uh, hope to see you there if not we'll see you at the next YOP, hopefully or at one of our other events thanks for listening keep rating us on iTunes we love the five star reviews keep them coming definitely helps other poets find the podcast and gets all these poets reading at the open mic more listeners Uh, keep doing what you do do it well connect with other people bring happiness into the world and uh, yeah that's the last uh, sentimental inspirational message I will leave you with Thank you for listening. Till next time.